Jews gathered around Jesus saying, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. Listen, the miracles I do in my Father's name speak for me. We're going to spend some time this morning looking at one of the most famous of Jesus' miracles. Theologians will say the most important of his miracles. I'm actually reading from John 10. That's not going to be our text, but I want to link it to what we just sang. Miracles I do in my Father's name speak for me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. If you are a sheep of Jesus, he has declared something over you. You will never perish. Not only that, no one can snatch you out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. You are a gift of the Father to the Son. He will not take you back and cast you away. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Lord, as we embark upon your lesson for us today, it is good to know who we are and who you are, what, what has been promised, what you are teaching us, the confidence we can have. Oh, God, how we need confidence. How we need convictions in a world at war with your word. Let us know your story, O oh God, that we might not be swamped by the false stories of the world that offer nothing. O oh Lord, thank you that you do not allow us to be snatched from you. We will not perish. We are your sheep. We will listen to your voice. So, Lord, you are speaking to us today. Those who belong to you will listen to you. And those who don't belong to you could belong to you today. Would you cause your own to listen and welcome the truth? And would you draw those who are not your own to yourself today, oh God, I pray. For Jesus' sake, amen. Well, if I were to say what is the most famous of all the miracles, or as theologians would say, the most important, the survey would say the feeding of the 5,000. I knew you knew. <laughs> the feeding of the 5,000. The stress of not having enough. Perhaps there's no other miracle, though, that so misses the point in, than this one or that is so interpreted in terms of missing the point is this one. And that's the danger of miracles. Miracles can be used in two different directions. Miracles are never the point. Never. Miracles are the prop to the point. This is critical to our understanding of Jesus. 
when you come to this particular miracle, the feeding of 5,000, we dare not make the same mistake that the disciples made on two occasions, both the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000. We're going to read a couple of chapters later, and that's going to be off in the fall, some, or actually in the winter, some, next winter sometime, Lord willing. But Jesus started talking to them after he had fed 4,000 about the feast of the, or the, the, the uh, yeast of the Pharisees. And they thought Jesus was upset with them because they forgot to bring their bread. Jesus is like, you guys never get the point. Regularly, we don't either. Jesus tells them that the yeast of the Pharisees is not about the food they forgot. It's about the misleading teaching that they embrace so easily. They miss the point, the spiritual point. This today, as we're going to look in a few moments, I just want to set this up because this story is not a promise that come to Jesus and you won't have to go grocery shopping anymore. You can kiss Sobeys goodbye. That's not what this is about. Or that Pastor Calvin, the next church picnic will be catered by Jesus. So don't plan any food. But that's the laughable interpretation that great amounts of evangelicalism takes out of this text. The prosperity gospel charlatans who make the miracle the point. Come to Jesus, get all your wants taken care of. Jesus didn't come for us that we might have more of our wants he came for us that we might have more of, don't be afraid. The right answer is always Jesus, you know that. Anytime I ask a question, it's going to be Jesus. The point is to strengthen our conviction about who Jesus really is so that in our time of need or pressure or illness, or persecution, or attack, we will look for him. So watch. Mark chapter 6. I'm going to start at verse 30, and we're going to read to verse 44. Now, this is picking up from the story of the apostles who were sent out to do some ministry. And they were now reporting back to Jesus all that they had taught and all that they had seen. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Anybody who's been in a ministry for any time at all knows that that's not going to happen. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. Now, you need to understand, the Sea of Galilee is slightly bigger than Rice Lake. Okay, it's not a big place. So when they sat out... 
set out on a little sailboat and aimed for a little port around the corner, you could usually get there faster by running than you could by boat. So everybody met them there. Now here's the point of the whole text, right here in verse 34. The crux interpretum, as we call it. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. If you want to understand the greatest concern on the heart of God, it's right there in that verse. It's not about how much food we have. It's not about how healthy we are physically. It's not about our wealth or lack thereof. It's about whether or not we have the shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to their surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take eight months of a man's wages. So you figure out your own wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five. Oh, and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves then he gave them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. And the number of men who had eaten was 5,000. Which means... There were women and children as well. It's an immense crowd of people who all ate and were satisfied. I want to um, just offer you three points here today. Um, the, the point of this miracle is that we know, might know who Jesus is. And that in knowing who Jesus is, we might understand what we are to do. How he is likely going to lead us, as we learn from the disciples. How you and me are likely expected to live in light of Jesus being the king. That, that's what this is about. I mean, Jesus says to his disciples, um, guys, uh, you know, you've been working hard. We need some downtime. Little R&R. Now, I ask you the question, did Jesus know that that wasn't going to happen? What do you all think? Jesus. 
he knew. That's why I say to you that the miracle is a prop and not the point of the text. The whole issue of discipleship is learning from Jesus. So I'm pretty certain that I can say this with with confidence that if you're in a state of need, it's more about learning than it is about your need. It's more about a a prop moment, a platform that God is setting up in your life to demonstrate His power, to to, uh, strengthen your convictions about who your Lord really is, uh, about where your real sufficiency comes from, I mean, is our, is our, would our world be fixed if it had more bread? If everybody was filled with food, would we be fine? The billionaire guy who killed himself in jail yesterday had lots of food. The tragedy is not about our physical needs. The tragedy is people who are shepherdless. They don't know which way they're coming, whether they're coming or going. And the purpose, the role of a shepherd is provision and protection. Real provision and real protection. And keep in mind, Jesus is about extending his ministry. The disciples are not just along as adornment. He's training them to continue the ministry. You have to see this when you see this miracle. He's showing them what their role is going to be in this kingdom that he's establishing. And so it is for us. When we come to this text, this isn't so much about the great need of not having enough as it is about the great sufficiency of Jesus and how we can operate with him as our shepherd. So um, the needy... uh, Central to this is that the needy and the uncared for people are of great concern to God. Make no mistake about this. He does care about our physical needs. He absolutely does. And so he begins teaching the shepherdless many things, it says in the text. And he feeds the hungry until they are satisfied. Our mission is a both-end mission, as Jesus was. Teach Provide. The expectations of the disciples was R&R. But Jesus was interested in a compassion transaction. See, there's a clause in the Christian contract. It's not so fine print. Maybe you haven't noticed it. To be a Christian, you have to deny yourself. that's, That's the clause in the contract that overrides our preferred agenda. Uh, They wanted rest and relaxation, and all they got was ministry. Because our God is a compassionate God. And make no mistake about it, you have been the recipient of many compassion transactions by God through other people who needed rest and relaxation. So the whole event here is set up now. And I want you to watch a couple of things here. So they step off the boat. There's maybe about 15,000 people there. Jesus' teaching pushes late into the afternoon. 
There's no Chick-fil-A anywhere in, in sight. So um, the disciples are, approach Jesus and say, Jesus, um, have you noticed anything that might be necessary to know? Big need like supper. So they did what any good Christian would do. They formed the plan to delegate the problem to somebody else. That's what we do. That's, that's our specialty. Send them away. Make them somebody else's problem. That's good delegation. God loves you, Pastor, and I have a wonderful plan for your life. Can't tell you how many great plans people have had to help people that have landed on my desk. But Jesus does what I have done many times. You go feed them. It's your bright idea. You take care of it. That's what ministry is. Ministry is a bright idea, seeing the need of someone else and taking care of it. Make no mistake about it. When God leads you to see a need... He plans to use you to meet it. But never without the risk of faith. See, last on the list of their ideas was that there was something, or maybe more appropriately, someone bigger than the need there. They were not yet Jesus' first guys in their thinking, they're not alone. Me included. We have a room full of people like that. When a problem develops, we think of a physical, we, we sit down and think of physical solutions, a plan. Jesus isn't the first plan usually. You go feed them. Keep in mind that he's going to call them to go and make disciples. He calls us to go and make disciples. He tells us to go and feed his sheep. Isn't that how he commissioned Peter at the end of the book of John? Peter, do you love me? Go feed them. He says the same thing to us. That's, that's what the Great Commission is. Go feed them. What, food? No. Well, food of sorts. Feed them the bread of life. The word of God, feed them on Jesus. They need to learn that right now. Go feed them. In discipleship training, we don't, lean, uh, we don't learn to rely on ourselves, but on the Lord. That's, that's what discipleship training is all about. You go feed them, he says. Jesus' concern was the shepherdless people the disciples' greater concern was stomachs. There's a difference between the two. We big talk faith until it is required of us. Send them away and let somebody else take care of it. 
No, you feed them. Well, Jesus, that's impossible. That would take eight months' wages. What is it? 25,000 bucks? I don't know. Depends how much you make. But this was the wage of a common laborer in the text. That's an expensive supper. So they were making an excuse as to why they were of no value to this problem. One of the first things we do when the need is great is try to explain away our own usefulness. Lord, I don't have much. I don't have that much to bring, so it isn't even worthwhile for me to get involved. And we have hundreds and hundreds of God's servants on the sidelines saying, I don't have enough to bring while all the people in ministry need rest and relaxation. Jesus will not have this. He will not have them bailing. He will not have them quitting on the ministry. So he says to them, well, just exactly how many loaves do you have? Now, was Jesus unaware of the inadequacy in the crowd? What do you think, Pastor Kay? Jesus. Do you think he was asking them to tell him something he didn't already know? So what was this all about? That they might recognize just how bleak the situation really was. You're telling us to feed them. It would take $25,000 to feed them. We don't have that. So we're not even worthwhile. Let's just send them away. No. How many loaves do you have? And I guess they stared at him because he, he had to say, go and see. <laughs> okay, stop staring at me. Go and find out. Go and survey your congregation. Shake their pockets. Let's see what they have. Turn them upside down. See what falls out. What's the point here? Your inadequacy, my inadequacy, is an opportunity for God to display His sufficiency. That's, that's what you, we, oh, we all have to, and you, you have to recognize, have to come to the place where you recognize your inadequacy to finally realizing your total need for Christ's sufficiency until you get to that place. You will always come up with physical answers. Well, someone else can do this. Well, I can do this. I can, get, I can somehow get this. No, no. Dependent, this is the battle for ministry, the battle for serving God, the battle for being one of his sheep is always the battle for dependency versus practical self-sufficiency. We have tried to be self-sufficient since we were two years old. I don't need this. No, no, no. I can do this. Study a two-year-old. They don't need anything. 
We're two-year-olds in the vision of God. So they say they have five barley loaves and a couple of fish, mostly carbs. This was going to be no keto diet day. You know what I'm saying? Jesus, by the way, is not against carbohydrates. He says, I am the bread of life, just in case you're wondering out there if you can eat carbs. I'm into spaghetti and bread. You know what I'm saying? Because my Savior is the bread of life. All you fat lovers out there. So he sends them for carbs and a little protein. In the battle for independence from God, he has to break us of our self-sufficiency. So regularly, the need going on in your life is just that. It's how much or how little are you going to have to have before you will finally come to the place where you will decide that you are inadequate, but Christ is entirely sufficient. Where is he going to have to take you for that? When is going to be the realization? Go and look. The crisis moment right here for us, a faith moment is, are we going to listen to Jesus? Are you going to listen to Jesus? Are you going to go and check? Are you going to abandon common practical sense and trust in him? And he tells them, go sit the people in groups on the green grass. I, I circled that with a green pen. Does that grab you at all? Go sit the people on green grass. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, leads me beside still waters. Remember what I said? Miracles are just the prop. They're not the point. We're not asked to believe in Jesus out of blind faith. Jesus has demonstrated to us who he is. But you would not believe, he says to them. But to those who are my sheep, they will listen to me. And they know who I am. So you alone don't have enough and you never will. There's a final point here. So he tells them, you go feed them. You go and find out what you have. And then he tells them just to... Uh, Sit the, sit the crowd all around, divides them up. They come back with five barley loaves, which are the common bread, and two fish. Now this is the do you really trust Jesus moment, okay? Because remember what the disciples were before they set out on this mission? Hungry. Five loaves, two fish, seven pieces of food, 12 guys. Not only that, they boosted it off a kid. 
Now the question is, are you going to hand over what you have, the little bit you have, in your great need to Jesus? This is where the rubber hits the road of faith. Are you going to take the little that you have that you're hungry in need of and give it to Jesus? And then what happens if you do? You know what happens if you do? It says this. It doesn't say it in your NIV translation very well, but um, it says, then he gave them to his disciples. It actually says he kept giving to the disciples to set before the people. Jesus, it says, looked up to heaven, gave thanks, and broke bread. (laughs) There's a picture for you of who he is. And he kept on giving. Now, this is miracle upon miracle. I mean, if you, if, you don't, if you don't get it, who Jesus is here, you'll never get it, who he is, ever. I mean, this is, he keeps on giving. Two barley loaves are processed food. I mean, it's one thing to see Jesus as creator, the starter of everything, but Jesus is now skipping steps. He's skipping the growth of the barley, he, the seed planting and the growing, and, and, and he's skipping all of that and just making loaves of bread, making fish that's already ready to eat. This is like, this is beyond creating. <laughs> this is who Jesus is. All I can say to you is this. If you place all that you have in the hands of Christ, when all is said and done, you will have more at the end than you had at the beginning. Isn't that what this teaches us? Isn't this who the Lord is? Because in God's hands, there's always more than enough. Everybody ate, and they were all satisfied. A world. The the world we live in is totally dissatisfied. That's the issue. That's the the striving, the trouble, the crime, the frustrations. It's all a lack of satisfaction. And Jesus presents himself here as the one who satisfies. Beyond bread. He kept on giving. It started with nothing in the disciples' baskets, and what is left over? Twelve. Surprise, surprise. The Jews, the Romans used to joke about the Jews because they carried around these baskets. They called them beggar baskets. They would always have little hoarded morsels of food, kind of like my wife. (laughs) She's always got little bags carrying around of little things of food, little cups of jello and things like that. It's a beggar basket. And the Jews used to carry them around. The Romans used to, the Romans used to, 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 to joke about the Jews because the, they would carry around because they would want to have kosher food with them in case they had to eat something. 
The disciples had nothing in their beggar baskets. And at the end of all of this, giving themselves to the ministry, giving themselves to the mission, giving themselves to going and making disciples, giving all they had to Jesus, their beggar baskets have food. Because that's what shepherd kings do. Let me wrap this up. Only God can cater food in the desert. So who is this Jesus? He is the greater Moses to come. The Lord said to tell, Mo, tell the people of Moses' time, is my arm too short? If you give all that you have to me, are you afraid that my arm, the living God, the one who can create, is too short? Is the Lord's power limited? Have the people sit down in groups in green grass because Jesus is the Lord is my shepherd. And shepherds feed and protect and provide and give rest and water and safety. And finally, there's a great picture here of the host of the salvation banquet. Come and eat from me. This miracle is the greatest demonstration of Jesus as Messiah that has ever been presented in the scriptures. There's no reason to miss it. It's a cause for us to be confident. Jesus is the great I am, the bread of life, the good shepherd. There is no other. In discipling you, expect God to stage incidents that reveal what you don't have so you will become convinced of what God has. Count on it. And now as we have opportunity to participate in our own own illustration that God has given to us about him being the bread of life, those who feast on him will never feel insufficient again. We will use this time around the Lord's table to strengthen our convictions that Jesus truly is the Lord of glory and our only Savior. Our Father, help us. Help us to see with our eyes and hear with our ears and learn from you. Your sheep listen to you and follow you and are satisfied every time. For Jesus' sake, amen. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death 
until he comes. Get in on this. He is making up his kingdom. The greatest burden in the heart of our God is sheep without a shepherd. Physical needs are no big deal to God. Whether people are rich or people are poor, the great equalizer is, are they shepherdless? And so he commissions us to go and feed them. And we say to him, we're inadequate. And he says back to us, of course you are. Of course you are. He says, give me what you have. And when we do, we have more at the end than we had at the beginning. Because the Lord is our shepherd. We shall not want. Oh Lord, thank you for the all-sufficiency of Jesus, Messiah, King, only God, who came to dwell among us and is making up his kingdom for eternity and providing us in the meantime his all-sufficient grace, the sufficiency of Jesus for his sheep is our conviction in a sea of troubles and needs and wants, O oh God. For Jesus' sake I pray, amen.